is being recorded. Good morning and welcome to this edition of the Magellan Show. It is the 27th day of August, 2015. I appreciate your being a part of this broadcast. Our website is www.magellanshow.com. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at Real Magellan. And I encourage you to, to check us out on Twitter and to connect with us that way. Our Twitter feed is also on our website, so you can you can connect over there as well. If you want to email us, if you have a question, a comment, a prayer request, whatever it may be, our email address is contact at MagellanShow.com. Got a lot of news to cover today, and uh, even news that took place yesterday as well. We'll be kind of covering the past couple of days. A lot has happened in the last, you know, 48 hours since our last broadcast, that's for sure. The markets have been all over the place. And if you remember on the Tuesday program, the market was rallying and it was soaring. And I, I, I remember saying that well, at least it appeared to me that it wouldn't it wouldn't be sustained. And of course it was not. The the markets did slide and uh went into the negative. Just a, a very volatile day that day on Tuesday. And you know, yesterday on Wednesday saw some recovery, still implementing rule forty eight which is really a way that the the markets, the stock exchange can put protective measures in, in place when you have major levels of volatility. We'll have to see what what happens today. And, and you, you know, you just never know because by the time you get to the closing bell, it could be way up there, way down. But I'll say this. I believe that that over the over the midterm, near term and long term, we are not only going to be facing tremendous volatility in that we will see ups and downs, but I believe that overall we are looking for an eventual downturn in the markets. Now, everyone has a choice as to what they will do in terms of the market. And, and surprisingly, as we were talking about this on the last program, approximately 50% of all Americans are positioned somehow or another in the stock market. Some of that, or at least a great deal of that, is from 401ks and through employment. Many people don't even realize that that they are that they're in the market. So they're not necessarily opening up a 
you know, a Merrill Lynch account or or one of these online uh, brokerages where they will buy and sell various stocks, whether it's blue chips or tech stocks or whatever it may be. But they're in the market through their their employer or their 401k. Now, we know that over the last several years, especially around 2001 and 2008, that 401ks suffered tremendously. And this was not good news for those who were about to enter retirement. As a matter of fact, you could imagine how devastating that would be to be expecting a nice sum of money that you could normally withdraw at that retirement age and then find yourself at, at a very disappointing place where it's where it's gone, or at least for the most part. If you were younger during that time, maybe it wasn't as big of a deal because you have the next 20, 30 years in front of you. But here we are now in 2015. And for the past several months, we have been discussing this even before all of this downturn actually took place. Why? Because we understand and we acknowledge that there are patterns. There are financial patterns that are very cyclical. And there are also biblical patterns. The Bible gives us great indication as to how to interpret specific events, certain events within our world. And that can have a major effect on our lives. When we step back a little bit and look at things on a global scale and examine the financial markets as well as the political situation, it can be quite overwhelming. This is, again, why I believe that it is so very important that we do, in fact, follow these patterns, these historical patterns within the market, and also to be mindful of what the scriptures and what biblical prophecy has to say about such things and to build a general consensus. Now, personally, and I'm giving you my opinion, and I am again saying that this is my opinion, that at this point, I would not go anywhere near the stock market. Let me say that one more time. I'm giving my opinion when I say this, and only my opinion. Uh, I would not go anywhere near the stock market. Is there a possibility that you can make money? Sure. 
when you have this kind of volatility, you can make you can make a lot. But you can also lose a lot too. You can lose your nest egg, your 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 life savings so much. I mean, truth be told, though I'm not a gambler, I could theoretically go to Vegas or to uh, one of the other uh, gambling cities, <laughs> uh, Tunica, uh, Atlantic City, uh, wherever folks go to, to gamble, and could probably make some money. I said probably, but I could also walk away and lose lose everything. I believe that this is how dangerous the market really is. And it's my belief that this is no time to be to be dabbling in such things. Oh, there are those the powerful elite that have enough money at their discretion to enter into this game. But I choose not to. We will continue on this program today to look at some of the financial developments of our world and to try to get a perspective a solid perspective as to what's over the horizon, what's next, and how we interpret it all in a way to where it's relevant to our lives and to do our best to react accordingly and to, as we have said so many times, be ready and have a game plan. And so we'll get to more of that in a little bit. But I, I do want to take a moment to express my my regret and, uh, and and my condolences to the the families and to those who uh, were affected by this awful shooting that took place yesterday, yesterday morning, quite early. And if you did not hear about it or for some reason you just happened to miss the story, then, you know, it was a reporter and her cameraman, both very young, 24 and 27 years of age. Allison Parker was 24, Adam Ward, 27 both were fatally shot while reporting on live television for WDBJ7. And this was at a shopping mall in Monetta, Virginia. The woman they were interviewing was also wounded, but uh, her wounds were not uh, fatal. During the ensuing manhunt, Vester Lee Flanagan, the suspected gunman, well, he was the gunman, shot himself after police chased his car. The Virginia police, State Police issued a statement on their Facebook page. The suspect 
vehicle refused to stop and sped away from the trooper. Minutes later, the suspect vehicle ran off the road and crashed. The troopers approached the vehicle and found the male driver suffering from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. He was taken to a nearby hospital, but later died, according to the BBC. What's interesting about all this is what happened at that point. What happened with the video footage. If you follow Franz Strasser, uh, at Franz Strasser on Twitter, you'll notice his commentary on what took place. He actually was a cameraman for BBC. And the state police, they got kind of kind of tough with him. BBC reporters Strasser and McKelvey were reporting from the scene of the crash when they were told by police to delete their video footage. Just told to delete it. On his Twitter feed, Franz Strasser said, just as the scene of the suspect shooting just at the scene of the suspects shooting on I-66, police told me to delete footage or lose camera. Reasons for confiscating camera was that it was evidence threatened to tow the car because it was illegally parked. Wow. He also goes on to say, but why they are then okay with deleting evidence makes one question their reasoning. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, according to Strasser's Twitter feed, the reporters were left with only low-quality iPhone footage. The Virginia State Police did not immediately respond to requests for comment. Well, I'm sure they didn't. And this is another example, my friends, of how how our law enforcement here in the United States, though, generally speaking, do a great job, and there are those within the various law enforcement departments that go above and beyond. There are still factions that are not respecting the freedoms of everyday people, those who are journalists, those who are wanting to exercise their rights. But it's not the first time reporters in Virginia have had trouble filming police. Just last year, WTVR-TV in Richmond reported on two incidents involving police officers and cell phones in in Petersburg and Norfolk. According to the ACLU of Virginia, their office has documented citizens who have been charged for filming police, usually as a violation of wiretapping laws. Jeff Marks, the general manager of WDBJ, says Flanagan used used to work at WDBJ, but was ousted two years ago for an undisclosed reason. Following his dismissal, Flanagan filed a complaint against the station in 2014 with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, accusing various staffers of making racial comments. That complaint was eventually dismissed, and it wasn't Flanagan's first time 
making such allegations against an employer. In 2000, he filed a discrimination lawsuit against Tallahassee TV station WTWC. The case was settled out of court in 2001. You know, what we're seeing here are, are, are tremendous violations. First, we could talk about the BBC reporter who was getting the rest of the story as the shooter crashed in his automobile. And the police just said, no, you can't take it. Well, obviously, when a police officer tells you that, and they've got the guns and they got the handcuffs, you're going to do what they say. But is it right? Are they following proper constitutionality? And are they adhering to the Bill of Rights, etc.? Well, you can be the judge of that, but as we look at our rights, I will say that on a daily basis, they are, they are being trampled upon. Now, looking at the other issue at hand is, is this, this tension that we, are, that we are experiencing across the United States and that having to do with with the race war you know you would think you would think that that having a african american president that many of these things would no longer be at the forefront let me let me let me elaborate on that a little bit More now than ever before, there, there, are, there are rising tensions. Rising tensions. And both sides have certainly made great mistakes. You have African Americans and you have white people both that have by all means fanned the flames and have have fostered these these racial tensions etc i i understand that i realize that but it seems to me that that there has in recent times been an escalation we can look back at at Ferguson, at Baltimore, as well as other cities and towns across America, Charleston. And we see how how that there have been cases of misconduct. The reactions, however, are very disturbing. When we look at Ferguson and Baltimore, there there were definite uprisings, riots, looting, and so forth. 
and it was all that it was all that the city governments could do to to ease those tensions and to bring about a sense of calm and it wasn't until a lot of damage had already been done and there there is of course and in so many cases misconduct and blatantly evil and reprehensible behaviors that are carried out no one is in any way dismissing or denying that fact if you look at especially what happened in Charleston it was a tragedy of tragedies especially when you think about the church members that 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 were there seeking God and you have this angry this angry young man who goes in and, and goes in so deceptively and then takes their lives it is evil the the shooter at that point was a a young white male lives were lost and that's the point yesterday with the virginia incident lives were lost and we cannot lose sight of that fact Allison Parker and Adam Ward lost their lives they were white the gunman was African American but regardless of their race that does not ease the pain but unfortunately so many on both sides are using these kinds of incidents to promote their own their own ways of thinking their own agendas their own political goals leaders of of various of various associations groups uh, even some civil rights organizations some that maybe are not uh, as mainstream as others are taking full advantage of these kinds of tragedies now we did not hear president obama come out and call this a hate crime we didn't see on fox news or cnn last night where there was rioting in mudetta virginia because there was not fanning the flames of of racism 
will do nothing more but cause more violence. That's what I believe. As a matter of fact, the gunman, Flanagan, Vesterly Flanagan, said that this was a retaliation, a retaliation for what had happened in Charleston. It's important to note, though, that he also had an axe to grind himself, having been let go and fired from from that media outlet, WDBJ7. There will always be, to a certain degree, those who who are racist, who have wrong intentions, who look at other groups and minorities as less than, but have we become so, how can I say this, so drawn in to the debate and everything else that's going on that we lose sight of the progress that has been made. I mean, you you look at, at President Obama and, uh, you know, if you consider it this way, uh, some say that, that approximately 85%, maybe 90% of African Americans voted for for Barack Obama. 85 90%, somewhere in there. An overwhelming majority. So there were roughly 10 15% of, of African Americans that did not, that did not vote for Obama. But even if that remaining 10 to 15% had voted to elect Barack Obama, those votes alone would not have pushed him over and gotten him gotten him the job, the office of the presidency. It would not have happened. So who really, in, in a sense, helped to push this through? Actually, it was white people. I know that that there has been a a demonization uh, in recent times of of whites that 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 whites are are racist and that that uh, that 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 whites have this certain uh, uh, attitude towards towards uh, towards blacks and other minorities, but but. Overwhelmingly, we see that a large number, a tremendous amount of white people actually voted for Barack Obama based upon their opinions. They did not look at the color of his skin, but actually the content 
of his character. And of course, I'm referring and citing the words of civil rights leader, the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And when we look at what the president does, that's the way we should view his behavior based upon the content of his character and the 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 actions that result from that character but sadly sadly and and and, and regrettably Incidents like this are happening, and I, I just wonder, I just wonder if the, if the powers that be, if they had made a concerted effort, as well as the media, to not types of incidents for their own political advantage or whatever they wanted to accomplish, if they hadn't have done that, and brought it to the attention that that maybe, just maybe, it would not have given those who are obviously mentally disturbed the confidence and the audacity to carry out these these kinds of attacks, some of which are copycat type attacks. We are without a doubt, in a, in a real mess here in the United States of America. As I said, racial tensions are escalating when they should be uh, when, when they should be acknowledged as improving. But the media is doing all that they can, especially the liberal media, to to make you. Stir, to stir up anger and animosity. And that's why you see the Confederate movement actually taking off with momentum. And in certain parts of the United States, you see, you see those who have the Confederate flag right on the uh, right uh plastered on on their on the back of their vehicles or you'll see pickup trucks with a flagpole that 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 has uh the confederate flag waving more now than there was before and then you have other movements the 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 black lives matter movement and as again as i said we are seeing uh, uh, you know, an escalation, a- an escalation that is uh, uh, truly uh, unnecessary and 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 quite sad. Just to kind of give a case in point in all this, DeRay Mc- McKesson who is the head of the Black Lives Matter movement, had this to say in light of the 
Virginia incident. Some say disgruntled employee. Others say terrorist. Whiteness will explain away nearly anything. Wow. Uh, This is the kind of rhetoric that we do not need. Another tweet from from uh, another individual who uh, who expressed similar sentiment said this: "When people don't, excuse me, when people thought the shooter might be white, don't publicize this tragedy. When." They found out he was black. It's Obama's fault. You know, this is the problem that we have here. Uh, this is this is nobody's fault. You know, and, and to to make that accusation and to assert that is is just wrong. As I said earlier, lives were lost. And as these events unfold, what is happening in America? You got to understand that it's not just one or two big events that are at at work and and shaping our news. But there are many, many events that are taking place, transpiring, some that we see, some that we don't see. We can be easily distracted and not get a glimpse of everything that is going on. Stories all the time are breaking regarding what's happening with Jade Helm 15 and how it's been a gross, gross violation of our rights, especially in the uh, the southwest and west, western areas of the United States. As a matter of fact, the governor of Texas has had such a great deal of concern regarding Jade Helm 15 that he has called upon the Texas National Guard to be observant of these federal uh, of these federal troops just to make sure that everything goes smoothly and that the rights of Texans are not trampled upon U.S. plans more anti-China drills in Asia and Pacific regions of the world. U.S. and Philippines expected to increase size, frequency, and sophistication of exercises in the disputed region. The United States will increase the number of drills it conducts in the Asia-Pacific as part of its new strategy to counter to China's expansion in the South Sea, the Philippines, the Philippine military said on Wednesday. Admiral Harry Harris, 
commander of the U.S. Pacific Command, discussed the Pentagon's recently drafted Asia-Pacific Maritime Security Strategy with his Filipino counterpart, General Hernando Iriberi, during a visit to Manila, Reuters reported. The talks outlined Washington's actions in the South, or excuse me, in the disputed South China Sea and East China Sea, focusing on the protection of freedom of seas, deterring conflict and coercion, and promoting adherence to international law, according to Colonel uh, Restituto Padilla, a military spokes, uh, spokesman. China claims most of the South China Sea. The Philippines, Vietnam, Malaysia, Taiwan, and Brunei also have overlapping claims. A military source who was in the meeting between Harris and, uh, and Iriberi told Reuters the United States and the Philippines are expected to increase the size, frequency, and sophistication of exercises in the disputed region, as we said earlier. Earlier this summer, the Philippines had separate military exercises with the United States and Japan near the, the hotly disputed Spratly uh, Archipelago in the South China Sea. Now, there's more to this article, and you can read it in its entirety. Just go to our website, www.magellanshow.com, or just go to Twitter and find us at Real Magellan. There's an obvious escalation in military tensions around the world. Korea, just over this past weekend, came very close to a military conflict. Diplomacy seemed to, work, to have worked in that particular region, but it doesn't always. It doesn't always. Where does this lead us? Where do we go from here? It remains to be seen. But there are tensions in the Pacific. Not only that, but we also see that there are tensions still in the Ukrainian territory in Ukraine. Russia has its position on the matter and their opinion, while NATO, which would include the United States and Western Europe, and actually now parts of, of Central and Eastern Europe, have their view. And certainly we don't need these kinds of military conflicts. It's not good for anybody. And it, it puts us all in a position that's unsettling because we don't want to see the worst happen. And we haven't even begun to talk about the state of Israel and the situation with the Iranian deal that the United States helped to, uh, well, at least started uh, to broker. So a lot going on geopolitically a lot of things happening and we need to see a de-escalation of these kinds of of events 
Moscow is outraged as U.S. restricts Russian upper house chair's visa for international conference in New York City. Washington has derailed Russian plans to take part in interparliamentary conference at UN headquarters by issuing a highly restrictive visa to the head of Russia's delegation, Upper House Chair Valentina Matvienko, the foreign ministry said. Matvienko, who is the chair of the Federation Council, Russia's upper house of parliament, and the country's highest-ranking female politician, was invited to attend the fourth World Conference of Speakers of Parliament organized by the Interparliamentary Union, or IPU, an international group founded in 1889, which closely works with the United Nations. She was also going to take part in the IPU's 10th meeting of women speakers of parliament that precedes the event, scheduled for August 31st through the 2nd of September. However, when Matvienko received her long-delayed U.S. entry visa, she discovered that it contained restrictions that basically said she was not allowed to participate in all meetings and other events held by Interparliamentary Union, the foreign ministry said. As I said earlier, we need to definitely, as a country, work on cooling cooling things down, not amping them up. But then again, the powers that be, the the big players, George Soros and all the rest, well, they have their ideas too. And where are we headed? Where are we headed? Where, where where are things going? Politically, you know, prophetically, in, in every way, financially. Some are talking about September. I've talked about it, so I'm no exception. Do I believe that that there will be major cataclysmic events occurring within the month of September? No, I can't say that conclusively, no. Do I think that there will be some major events and prophetic events that take place that could be very serious and, 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 and catastrophic, cataclysmic? And all and every and every other way you could describe it, yes, I do, but I'm not saying that it's all going to happen in September. Some of it could, but it could also be stretched out over a period of time, perhaps weeks, perhaps months, maybe longer. But the point is this. And the message is clear. We must be ready for what might very well lay ahead. We have to be. As I have said so many times on this program, citing the Jewish proverb, I would rather be one year too early 
than 10 minutes too late. And how true is that? Some of you will continue to invest and trade within the stock market. Some of you may make a lot of money. and Some of you may lose a great deal, although I hope that is not the case. Some of you will make the right and appropriate decisions. Obviously, we, above everything else, should make sure that our spiritual house is in order. And to to get right with God if we haven't. And if we have, then we need to continue to have that closer walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he's called us to be wise. And I would encourage you. I would encourage you to to read the 24th chapter of Matthew's gospel. 24th chapter of Matthew. And to also, if you can, to read Revelation chapter 13. Two powerful and informative passages scripture we know that Matthew 24 says that nation will rise against nation kingdom against kingdom there will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places all these are the beginnings of sorrows and I believe even now that we have entered into that period of time that Jesus spoke about, known as the beginning of sorrows, pestilence, disease, things that cannot be explained. Matthew 24 is coming alive. The headline, and actually this was just updated on on CNN. CDC reports 11 cases of human plague since April. Now we know that the the plague or the bubonic plague, whatever you want to call it, killed millions throughout the world and in Europe. There's nothing to take lightly. <laughs> and, and, and I think what's just so incredible here is what this says on CNN. I, I tweeted this, so if you go to our Twitter feed or, or at Real Magellan or, or go to our website, MagellanShow.com, you can open up the CNN link and check this out for yourself. It has a picture of of the uh, of the of the plague. You know, and how, how it would look, you know, under microscope. And it says, seven photos, plague of scourge of, notice this, biblical proportions. This is what causes the plague. Yersinia pestis bacteria, colored in purple, are seen on the spines inside a flea's digestive system. So this can be spread through fleas and 
through other critters, I'm sure. But since April 1st, there have been 11 cases of human plague in the United States. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said Thursday, three of those patients have died. This is according to a new report from the CDC putting doctors on alert that the number of cases this year seems to be higher than usual. The average number of cases between 2001 and 12 was seven, with less than one death each year. We don't want to panic. We don't want to panic people, but we do not. We do want to be aware of the heightened risk. The statement came from Dr. Natalie uh, Natalie Witt, a veterinarian with the Division of Vector-Borne Diseases at the Center for Disease Control. There have been cases in Arizona, California, Colorado, Georgia, New Mexico, as well as Oregon. The the cases in California and Georgia have been linked to areas in or near Yosemite National Park in the southern Sierra Nevada, the report says. Experts raise alarm as plague kills dozens in Madagascar. What do I take from all this? Obviously, the plague in and of itself is very scary, very frightening. And as the article states, not only is it affecting parts of the United States, although in small number, but also in Madagascar. I remember back when when there was a lot of talk, and this is a good example, it's the tip of my tongue, but when we had when we had that that other disease that was going around, Ebola, Ebola. And I remember as there was all this talk about Ebola in the news, I just felt like, and I may have mentioned it on the show, I can't remember, but I just felt like that that was a beta test, if you will. And what I'm trying to say is that it was a way of seeing how the population would react to such an incident. Now we know that Ebola did not did not affect very many, and the number of fatalities was minimal. But the CDC had set up certain certain stations or hubs in various parts of the country. There was like four or five of them. And medical personnel and staff were were given instructions as to what to do if they saw certain patients come in the hospital with with specific uh, symptoms. That has since blown over, although reports are coming out that in Sierra Leone, where a lot of this got started, that they're still dealing with some of that and that it may not be over. But my thought was this, as all of all of that Ebola stuff was transpiring, that perhaps 
an event like that, but on a greater scale, could not only or would not only cause real and, and, and serious consequences to where many could die from the illness, the illness itself, but that the panic of it could even do a greater harm, potentially, in that it could be used as a means to control, subdue, and redirect these population centers in such a way to where they would be at the complete at the complete mercy of a big government and the powers that be we need to think about that and digest that in our minds an event could it be the plague or something else in the future And then you think about these Jade Helm exercises. Maybe not this year. Maybe Jade Helm 16. But it's time to be vigilant. It's time to keep our eyes open. Now, we are already in the on, on the Jewish calendar within the Elul season or month. We know that a little 29 is, is coming, which, which will, which will fall on the 13th of September. Many have been, been watching and observing this, this period of time that is just around the corner known as the Shemitah. And it's, it's very possible that something could take place, certainly, on that day, something on a grand scale. But remember this. The Shemitah is, is a, a season. It's a year. It's not just a particular day, the, the closing of it, if you will. Something could on that day, yes, certainly. But let's also remember that at all times we should be aware and vigilant of what's going on around us. Before the Shemitah, which is on September the 13th, and after, and, and I believe especially after. Remember again, better to be a year early, a year too early than 10 minutes too late. Evaluate and take inventory of those things in your life that are important to you, your own specific needs, and say to yourself, okay, what do I do if if I do not have this, if I do not have that? And then go accordingly. Make the necessary preparations so that if something were to happen, you would at least be somewhat prepared and like I said 
that is, without a doubt, a wise thing to do. As I was saying on Tuesday's broadcast, a former advisor to the British Prime Minister Gordon Brown said on his Twitter, and was also reported in many mainstream publications out of the UK, that everyone should at least have a month's supply of food and necessities for for what could happen if something if something occurs on a on a on a dire and cataclysmic cataclysmic level perhaps from financial turmoil from the markets or or who knows what it's always it's always wise it's always prudent to 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 be ready to be like joseph within the bible Oh, there's so much more we could cover. We've talked about a lot of things today. I want to tell you that I appreciate all of you that listen to our broadcast. Help us grow. Help us to have a greater voice within this community and and, and, and enable us to have the opportunity to expand to FM radio and to accept these invitations that we have. You can donate to what we're doing. And seriously and prayerfully consider that. Don't wait for the other person to do it. You consider doing it. Go to our website, MagellanShow.com. Click on the Donate button. The size of the donation is not what's important. But it's your intent and it's your desire to give and and to help us to continue to speak the truth so that we can we can continue broadcasting on Tuesdays and Thursdays and to break down news from an accurate and from a clear perspective, and also to produce high-quality programs like The Big Picture, which we uh, which we are now doing uh, every month, and we'll do so as long as as there's interest for that type of programming. But help us again. I I ask you to to support our cause so that we can continue on in in a greater way and 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 to and and to sustain what we're doing. Just go to our website, MagellanShow.com, click on the donate button. Or you can just go to PayPal and type in the email address contact at MagellanShow.com. Well, thanks so much for being a part of our broadcast on this Thursday. We'll be back here on Tuesday, unless something major happens in the meantime. We'll be back here on Tuesday for more of the Magellan Show. Thanks so much for listening. God bless all of you. Have a great day and and a great weekend ahead. This is Magellan. Bye-bye for now.